I'm not the house of cards that falls down easily Ooh, I'm strong enough to handle what you throw at me Welcome to Mental Health News Radio. I'm your host, Kristen Sunanta-Walker. Just what are we going to discuss? The intimacy that is mental health. Let's continue to make it as comfortable as discussing brain health or heart health. This show has been on the air for several years and we have amazing co-hosts. And then we created a network of podcasters on mentalhealthnewsradionetwork.com, a place where every possible facet of mental well-being can be talked about openly. My show, after several hundred interviews, the format is this. Intimate, deep, funny, touching, sometimes uncomfortable, but always vulnerable conversations with interesting people. The goal is to have you, our listening family, many of you who have become my good friends, feel as though you are listening in on private conversations. Thank you for tuning in and becoming part of this amazing journey with me and now with our network of podcasters. Just knowing this podcast might be helping any of you realize you are not alone on this journey called being a human being makes doing this podcast worth every second. Hey everyone, Kristen Sinanta Walker here, host of Mental Health News Radio, and I have a wonderful guest. I'm so excited to have Amy Fuller, who is the host of America Trends on YouTube America, and she'll tell you what that means. But first, I want to give a shout out to the amazing Beat family, Lee Beat and your family. We know you're listening in from Birmingham, UK. And um, thanks for tuning in and for asking for a shout out. We really appreciate it. Amy, thank you so much for coming on the show. I'm honored and in, in that we're being heard, heard in Birmingham. And I know you're downloaded it in 171 countries. So it's really great what you're doing to help people. We appreciate it. And it's always fun to talk to you. Yeah, I love being on your show. But so our listeners know, where can they find the show that you do? And then let's get into like, how did you start doing that show? Yeah, it is on a network called You to America. And it started back in the 90s, I believe, as the Nostalgia Channel. It was started by the kid who played Spanky on Little Rascal. <laughs> oh, my gosh. And that's funny. I know. And, and then in 2012, it was redeveloped by Mark Burnett. And now it's owned by a great company in Texas. And you can find it. Let's see here. I'm opening. We're on um, 45 Million Households Broadcasting. That's so amazing. So that's just broadcast. And then they can also find it digitally, digitally at youtubeamerica.com. We're on Flixon, Yip, Apple TV, Comcast, Time Warner Spectrum, NCTC. And I believe they're working out a deal. I'm not sure what I'm supposed to say, but another someone that's very um, well-known like Apple, they're working on a deal with them too. So it might be coming soon to, to somewhere else. That's amazing. <laughs> and you guys, that your show fell into my lap through the wonderful Dr. John Huber through his, his great PR firm, Goldman and McCormick. So, um, you know, we, we have two of their shows on our network, including Dr. Huber's podcast, Mainstream Mental Health. And then somehow I ended up being a guest. I don't know, even know how that happened. <laughs> <laughs> well, you know, we have a, I'm, I'm able to book people for the show, which is really nice, but we have a great booker, David, he's an executive producer. And 
when I, I just started this in February and he you know, was booking people and, and there you all were. <laughs> I love them. I love Kristen. I love Dr. Huber. We have to have them back. You know, I've, I've always been just so fascinated by okay, mental health, mental illness. If you want to call it that, it has such a, such a, it has such a weighty, such a weighty moniker. You it know? does. It does. Um, yeah. Uh, and, and the, and the brain in general, it's completely fascinating to me and there's no end of great topics as you know because you've got this network of podcasts and hosts it's never ending and so uh, I always just love having you guys on and and chatting you know nine ways from Sunday about all this stuff (laughs) I know it's so much fun I remember the day that you said well right now uh, we're in you know 42 million households uh, apple tv and i was like did she just say that on the air i thought three people watched this <laughs> 45 million 45 million <laughs> and that's that's household so you know if it's they've amazing. got their kids and grandma and all, yeah I, I hope they're all tuned in at the channel at the same time let's hope that's amazing. So how did you get into doing this kind of work? I know you do lots of other things because I follow your Twitter. I follow you on Facebook. So I know you do many, many, many other things. And you're out in my home state in California where I grew up. But how did you get into doing this, being a host and being on this kind of a, a program? Well, I my, my real career in real life, I was um, a TV news anchor and reporter. That's what I went to school for. Mm-hmm. And all that stuff. And I did that for 13 or so years. And then, um, you know, life just sort of changed. I have a jewelry and hat line. And, it's, you know, TV news can be very tiring. Um, <laughs> I don't know if you know that. Uh, <laughs> yes, it can. <laughs> most of the time when I worked in TV news, I was the evening anchor on the 5, 6, and 10 or 11 o'clock news. And that, I mean, those are my hours. If I can get up at the crack of noon and get going there, <laughs> I'm good to go. Um, and then I had this great opportunity to come to San Diego and work at a, a great station here that I loved and was so appreciative to be at. Uh, and they needed me on morning. And so I was doing, doing anchoring and reporting. I would anchor an hour show at 5 a.m., then go report for three hours for that morning show, then come back at 10 and do a sort of talk show. And sort of wore on my health yeah. and luckily my, my jewelry line had taken off and I actually needed more time to do that. Left broadcasting and I mean, that was in 2006. So I've just sort of been kicking around my studio um, for all these years, never thinking that I would do really anything on TV again. And, um, you know, a great life. I'm living in Southern California where I always wanted to live. Uh, great family. Got my two Weimaraners here. Mm. My rescue dad. And I get to tinker around, you know, making wearable art. And, you know, the hats. It's Del Mar season around here right now. The horse racing season. Yep. So that's really busy. But then I got a call um, in January and, and they needed me to, I've done, I've done fill in freelance work, um, but they wanted me to fill in for this program, America Trends. And I did. And they asked me to stay. They were trying out some people to do this show. And when they first called, they said, are you looking to get back into broadcasting? And I said, oh, no. <laughs> <laughs> I didn't really think I could go and report to work 
for anybody at any time. Once you work for yourself, Christian. Oh, I know. Forget it. Pretty hard. Yeah. Yeah. So I said, no, no. So they were, they were trying out some people. And meanwhile, I was, I was filling in too. And they, the people didn't work out. And they asked me to stay. And by that time, I was having so much fun. The crew is amazing. Oh, they're hilarious. studio owner. Yeah. They are great. And I, and I prep for the show at home, which is a dream. Go in. We do the show. And then we're free to go home. But really, we just hang out and talk more <laughs> because they're so much fun. So when they asked me to stay, I, I couldn't let it go. And I said, yeah, I'm going to stay. Isn't it great when you're doing something that's just so much fun and you're like, wow, I get, I even get paid to do this. This is phenomenal. And it feeds the other work that you do too. It's amazing. It's amazing. It, it, it does. And in a way, you know, it's sort of, you know, talking about mental health issues and stuff like that. It sort of feeds your ego where you feel like you're, you're getting good feedback on, on what other people say is a job well done. Right. And anyone can use that. Now that could change any time. I could slip up and they could say, you know what, Amy, we just don't think you're that you're doing very well anymore. You, you got to get out of here. And that'll be, that'll be another time. That'll be, that would, that's not that fun when that happens. Sometimes <laughs> that does happen. Right. <laughs> but, you know, it, it, it is fun to do. I get to have a lot of um, say on what goes on the show. They're, they're very nice about that. And so we love to do things that help people. Um, whether it's, it's profiling mental health issues, supporting our military, yeah. um, bringing to, to like kids issues, you know, pets. Yeah, I was like going to say the so, pet stuff that you guys, every, it's such a warm, welcoming show. I mean, you're an ace. You're unflappable, even with me and my where is Kristen? What hotel room is she in when I was still traveling and doing your, your shows? Now I'm at least in the same place. But you guys just are just on it. And I've told the production people there, if I can make them laugh during a show, I that is like the best thing ever for me. Isn't that great? They they are, they are so good. They they do give that feedback and and are so supportive. And that you don't always get that. And they're real real professionals. And yeah, yeah can't say enough. And very humble, very humble. And um, yeah, exactly. I know they're busy. I know you're swamped. You're doing this live. It's you know that's it, a lot of pressure. But I think. For me, what I see when you're doing it and you're sitting there, because boy, do I understand the seat that you're sitting in. You, There are so many things that you are having to pay attention to as the host. Where are my eyes? What's happening over here? Also pay attention to the guests. What's the next topic? I mean, there's so many fly by the seat of your pants moments. It's an adrenaline rush, but you must really like it. I love that, but you must really like it too. That's true. And you know, it's, I don't know if people, when, when people watch TV, I don't know if they think it's more scripted than it is. Oftentimes it's not. I don't have a teleprompter. And when they asked me on this particular show, and when they asked me, they said, here's what it is. You do interviews, and the interviews are about eight to nine minutes long. Um, sometimes you have a double interview for a featured guest, and they're on for two interviews in a row. Now, Kristen, for my background in TV and TV news, where you have, well, I mean, now we have 24-hour cable, and there's a lot of talking heads out there. But, but I did, a, like, an hour or half-hour newscast. So if someone got three minutes, that was a good long time on TV. Right. And I thought, how am I going to have enough questions to talk to someone for eight minutes and not <laughs> babble? How do I make sure I make them look good and can help them reveal 
interesting things on them and the topics they're here for. And, oh, man, Kristen, I tell you, it, it was nerve-wracking when I first went on. And I thought, you know what? I've just got to go on here, and I'm no expert on all these things. They're the expert. I just, I'm going to come at it from, from a, a viewpoint of asking the questions that, you know, people at home might want to know about and trying to just guide the person into the topics I think people want to hear about. Right. And I just sort of did it, you know, and I had to come at it from a very humble place because I was unsure when they said, do you want to do this? I said, oh, do you think, do you think I can? <laughs> and a friend of mine used to work with me said, sure you can. I thought, oh, it's easy for you. <laughs> so I just sort of, you just have to have... I guess you just have to sort of have fun with it. I was talking to Dr. Huber last week. He was asking me what what sort of goes into hosting. And I, you really have to do a fair amount of preparation. But then once you sit there, you have to listen to the guests and interact and start having fun with how the conversation's going. Right. And not necessarily wondering, okay, when she stops talking, I'm going to say this. Yes. And worrying about the next question. You really have to let it sort of get organic, but also stay on course. So it is sort of, it's always a balancing act, and that is sort of fun. But I'm interested in so many of the things we do that, that it is fun and it is rewarding. It is. And what's what's great, it's so funny because you talk about, you know, having to fill eight minutes of time. And I'm like, some of my guests, we, we can go, you know, over an hour and we are deep into this topic that we're talking about relationships or narcissism or whatever it is. And, and we're just going at it and going at it. And I, when I'm done, I'm like, Oh, the guests and I are like, Oh my God, we just, you know, traveled across the universe together. <laughs> uh, we were just babbling and those shows go through the roof every single time. <laughs> it's true. And you know, it's funny because when I said, I'm not sure about this, the, the gentleman who was hiring me, who owns the studio, said, you know, I laugh because you think three minutes is a long time. He said, but I do talk radio. So, <laughs> you know, this is nothing. And I started thinking about it in that viewpoint because I'm a big fan of talk radio. Yeah. So it's almost like doing the same sport but using a different muscle. Yes, it is. Yes. Uh, you have to sort of, it's like you're, you're still doing, um, like, for instance, this is, you ever watch Dancing with the Stars and they yeah. get these people who are ice skaters on there and the ice skaters say it's so different from ice skating. And I think, oh, come on, you're so talented there. How could that possibly? But I guess it, it maybe it's sort of like that, that yes. it feels just so different and you still feel a little out of your comfort zone, but you can still sort of maybe figure out how to get there. And again, it's just like anything else in life. You work that muscle. Yes. And sometimes and I was thinking about this last week at first I still remember the, the crew and everyone, they were so nice and giving me great b feedback. And I thought, really? And I remember going in and I'd be preparing for a show and I'd still feel unsure about myself because right. that's just sort of the way I am. And I would think, I can't believe they're really just going to sit me down and I'm going to you know, do this show for an hour again today. I can't believe it. <laughs> and I was trying to, I don't know what I was trying to talk myself down from a week or two ago, but I remember saying to myself, you know, Amy, I know you can do this today. Because what? You just did it yesterday. That's right. Yes. The self-talk. And we've talked about that, of course, on your show. But that self-talk. And I'll say this. When I, your your shows, of course, I am exercising different muscles. I want to look in your eyes, but I'm on Skype. And so I know that I have to look at the camera. So that's 
a, a little different because I want to look at you, Amy, who I really like, you know? Um, so that's, that's a different thing than podcasting where you're just using audio and it's shorter segments. And I'm also paying attention to, okay, when I hear the music come on, that means I need to start shutting up. And, you know, there's all these different things that go, that go into it. And, um, you know, it's, it, it is, it's using different muscles, but I think the thing that runs true for people like you and people like me that like this fly by the seat of your pants thing is it is something of an adrenaline rush. It's like uh, being a plate spinner on live television. Like you have to like to do that, not to the point of you're an anxiety ridden mess, but you have to like it enough to um, have it feed you in a way, in a, in a way that's good and healthy for you in order to do what we do. I think, what do you think about that? You nailed it. Exactly what you said. Exactly what you said. And it's just like, I think with any job or any hobby, you have to have some aptitude. If you have aptitude for something and you feel good about what you're doing, you want to keep doing it. Yes. And there's also the line, well, what if I like doing it and I'm not good at it? You know, that's something that I, that I feel like people can, can work on too. Right. No one should ever tell you no, and you shouldn't tell yourself no if there's a goal you want to go after. Very true. Very true. How do you deal with, because there's something that, you know, you had written to us about um, maybe some talking points. And one of them that really stood out for me was never let yourself be intimidated by giants. So I celebritized in the beginning of doing my talk show five years ago. And, you know, these are celebrities in mental health. So not exactly, you know, the same kind of thing as what people think of with celebrities. But I did all the green, very green person and broadcasting mistakes that every everybody does. And then I got to a point where I realized, okay, that does nothing. It doesn't, it's just, it doesn't help us get to an authentic place at all. So what do you mean by that? Because yours is a lot of times someone sitting next to you, but also, you know, through Skype. Um, you know, and that, that is definitely one context. And you can get some guests on the show that, that may intimidate you or that you just may sort of, you might fan out over. For instance, I, this may sound, fan out, I, yeah. I, we've had some, some guests on recently that for me, for, for people of a certain age, you're going to know what happy days was. So <laughs> and for all these years in the seventies and eighties, we only had three TV networkers networks back then believe it or not millennials (laughs) and luckily we had good programming like happy days and just recently i got to interview anson williams who played posse and also don most who played ralph mouth who's a great musician anson's an incredible entrepreneur and so that's all sort of neat but you have to keep your head about you but i mean when you're six years old watching happy days you're figuring out which one of these guys am i gonna marry so (laughs) It's a real <laughs> to someday be talking to them. Um, so that that I think that is sort of the angle you were talking about. This is actually a quote attributed to Alan Cohen: "Never let yourself be intimidated by giants. Every giant once stood where you now stand. You have the right and power to stand among them." Mm. Now, now, what does that mean? I wanted, you know, maybe I was, when I was 15, I decided I wanted to be on TV. I wanted, you know, I liked writing, I liked journalism, and I thought TV is a good place 
for me, possibly we have a small NBC affiliate here in my hometown. Maybe I could start there. You know, I was a small town girl who dreamed, but I wanted everything. I needed to be reasonable <laughs> and have an actual plan that could work. So there was all that. Um, so I guess, it, it, you know, it all everybody has taken that first step. No one was born Einstein. Right. No one was was born, uh, you know, Donald Trump, the billionaire or president. No one was born fill in the gap with your favorite you know, mo- movie star or better yet, heroes like our military who go out and fight right. every day for us. So so there's that. And, you know, the, the thing that why this quote struck me is because I always wanted to be a writer. And again, I was trying to think logically and I thought, well, well you know, I, I probably won't just write a book and, and be able to sustain myself. Right. You know, this is eight year old Amy talking to herself. <laughs> <laughs> maybe I'll work for a newspaper. Maybe I'll do this magazine. And I just remember just, this is just my little quest. I've always wanted to, to write a book. I've wanted to write fiction and nonfiction as well. But I always remember saying to myself, and this is through the decades, you're too young. What do you have to say? You don't know enough yet. Right. That sort of thing. And that, nothing could be further from the truth. Right. Um, uh, even, even the Bible tells us, don't let anyone think less of you because you're young. It says that in First Timothy in, in so many words. And don't look anyone, look down upon you because you were young, I think is the quote. And then, and then another word, that doesn't mean we don't respect our elders and try to learn. There's a lot to learn from the right people. But you have to take that step. You can, um, you can make your play. To go back to a sports analogy, no one else owns the field or the goalpost in life. You can take to that field and, and go after the play, go after the touchdown. No one's going to give you permission to do what you want to do. Right. I know, I know, no one likes commercials, but seriously, folks, without the help from these organizations, we could not stay on the air. Please give a shout out to zencharts.com. If you're a mental health or addiction treatment center, you'll want to use their EHR. It's gorgeous, and they're just good people. And also MyGenetics, M-Y-G-E-N-E-T-X.com, because knowing your genetic code empowers your mental health treatment. And lastly, CopeNotes.com. We love getting positive messages right to our phones every day from Johnny Crowder. He's the lead singer of Prison, a heavy metal band sharing their music about suicide prevention, addiction recovery, and mental health. See, that was painless. Support them as they support us. Back to the show. Right, exactly. And what's what I found interesting, and this is why I love mental health, because it, it lends itself already, like the platform is already there for you to be intimate. So That's true. when you're speaking with someone, a celebrity or whoever, because the topic is that, the chance that you're going to get intimate is pretty darn great. And those that's the space I really love to live in, and I'm comfortable there. I'm not comfortable really. I'm very socially awkward outside of getting really intimate, which makes other people very uncomfortable. So I have to talk about this all the time. So. <laughs> 
But it, what's great is because you're talking about such intimate things, the people that come on that are very well known, I get to know the things that they are afraid of, their anxieties, their struggles with mental illness, what they're afraid of today, even though they have 50 best-selling books, and I'm not exaggerating, some of them do. Um, Dr. Paul Meyer comes to mind. He's got a hundred books, half of them bestsellers. Uh, been, you know, he's on the presidential council for mental health. I mean, he's amazing. I know him personally. I know what he struggles with every day, and and it's so it's so humbling to know someone that's achieved so much who I know uh, just isn't this person behind glass. I know this real person and everybody can connect with them and, and share their struggle. It sort of lifts the veil of what celebritizing is, I think, you know, or what celebrity Authentic- is. Authenticity is what you're talking about. Absolutely. Yeah. And there's nothing more profound than that. Sometimes it almost feels like in life we're operating at a certain level in a certain realm where everyone's just sort of going by. Hi, how are you? Okay. Yep. Uh, just sort of the, the, you know, one step in front of the other. But, when you get to that authenticity, um, it changes the relationship profoundly. And if you can do that with almost everyone you meet and see something in them, it changes everything. It changes the way you look at the world. I was just reading this week about a book called Lost Connections, Uncovering the Real Causes of Depression and the Unexpected Solution. And the premise sort of by this author, let's see. Yeah, what's I was going to say? I'm, that sounds familiar. Let's see here. I'm going to make sure I get the author of the book and not the article. Is it Johan Hari? Yes, I interviewed him. He was wonderful. Yes. Oh, my goodness. Right. So this book, it says, why would we not have depression and anxiety? We're living in this world that's really off balance. Yes. And we need to make connections. It's not just about um, he, he, makes a, he makes comments about uh, chemistry in the brain which I think obviously that is something that's very valid when it comes to, to helping people who, who need that sort of fix. But the lost connections in the world, whether it's family, society, neighborhood, that, that does make you off balance. And when we don't have that, of course we're going to be anxious and depressed. You and I always talk about yep. why do we keep getting more and more reports, more and more studies with these numbers that more people than ever have depression and a lot of times it's these young teenagers and you always mention you think it's social media for one thing and of course of course that is not a real connection it's good as a tool for many things yes for instance i have most of my family doesn't live anywhere near me yet i have very intimate relationships with some of my cousins even better than before because i get to chat with them every single day but if you're just going there and you're seeing you're one of those people that looks at the highlights of other people and thinking, man, why don't I do that with my life? Why, why do right. I have this sort of life where, to me, it feels like low lights? I think we need to use social media as a tool and not let it use us. Oh, absolutely. Yes. Clapping, clapping. Yes, absolutely. It's it's not good and it's not bad. It's just a tool. It's like what I, I try to tell these millennials. I just have my on, on our men and anxiety show that we do about once a month. They're early 20s. They've started this fantastic foundation. Uh, and, uh, you know, we were talking about money 
and social media. And I said, look, it's the same thing. It's just energy. You can use it for good or you can use it for bad, but it, you, you can't let it use you. Yeah, for sure. And, and if you're ever in doubt, I always hear what you and Dr. Huber say. I always think of it. If you think you might've been on the computer for a little too long, you're starting to get frustrated by what you're reading, for heaven's sake, close the laptop down, close the, pad, the iPad, close the phone, go outside in the sunshine. That's right. Go out. Yeah, exactly. I go for, I take my dog. I go for long, long, long winding walks in the morning to where both of our legs are ready to just fall off. Go visit my horses. I mean, that's done so much for my mental health. Um, because you know, the job that I have, I'm on my computer all the time. So when my hand starts to say, I can't move, I need to get off the computer. <laughs> yeah. Talk to neighbors if you sometimes connect. Sometimes I feel so fulfilled just from talking to a neighbor. And, you know, talking about being socially awkward, I, mean, I, I guess I don't really know because I'm not in other people's minds. I feel like maybe we're all like that to an extent. I've had people say, you know, you go to these social events, I'm, I'm so scared to walk into a party. Well, every single person there was probably scared to walk into that party. Isn't that interesting? Because that's what I mean. Like we put this layer in front of people. I feel like they're, you know, we study people under glass almost. And we, we see this, our own veneer is put on them. They, maybe they're not even trying to put one out there. We know people that do do that and live for that. But I mean, we do that too. We think that they don't feel, we think that they don't have insecurities, that they've got it all together. You know, there's nothing wrong in their life. Look at how great they look. And they, if we, we don't stop and go, they probably <laughs> most likely feel just as anxiety ridden. Like you just said, as we did when we walked in here, Oh, this outfit, I look fat. I look that. Why do I have to put myself down? I mean, they're having that struggle in their own head, just like you are. Yeah. You know, when sometimes, and I think, you know, not to get in too deep in, into this, but I, I think sometimes a lot of times it has to do with, I don't think Americans are getting enough sleep. No, and I they're think not. So many of us can't be at our best when we don't have enough sleep. I know I'm not. And for the sake of the world, I make sure I get my naps in. <laughs> because if I go to a party and I'm tired, I might be a bit rough around the edges. But um, getting back to, to, you know, back in the social scene, I try to err on the side of try to make your best effort to make other people feel comfortable and good about them selves. Uh, you might be nervous too, but it might do you a world of good. You may be the only thing that gets them through the day with a smile or an encouraging word. Give them that smile. Yeah, I, it's so true. I, I, I just said this with uh, Dr. Roberta Shaler, who's one of our, our podcasters. She does the show Save Your Sanity. She's amazing. And we were talking about that today, actually. And we both said, you know, you don't have to be the smartest person. You don't have to be the most physically attractive person, but you have to be a pleasure um, to be around. You have to, when you leave a conversation with someone, does that person feel warmer inside because of your presence, that your presence was just there? Do they look forward in a warm way to when they get to speak to you again? That 
right there and being able to do that and cultivate that means more than looks. It means more than how much money you have. It means more than how much, how smart you are. And that, that's something that takes work to cultivate, you know? Yeah. We see these memes on Facebook. We can scroll past all the time that that say things like people won't remember what you said, but they'll remember how you may feel. And, and that's, you know, it's pretty true. It is. It's, it's very true. It's very true. And it's easy to just say that and not really understand what that actually means. Mm-hmm. Especially. You explained it first. <laughs> I know I over explain <laughs> things. That's one of my problems. That's why my shows oh, are an hour long. <laughs> well, oh, let's God. talk, let's talk about this. Um, you said something about perfect is the enemy of good in, in some of the, the things that you had brought in. And one of the things that we talk about on my show a lot is, you know, um, obsessive compulsive disorder, uh, anxiety, all that, and and that need to strive for perfection. But what does that sentence mean to you? Perfect is the enemy of good. Well, for one thing, I think we need to give ourselves a break. There's a lot of perfectionism going on in the world, and you're hurting yourself and you're hurting others because you're probably talking badly to yourself, and you're also putting expectations on other people that they can't possibly attain. So it was Voltaire who said, perfect, he, it's attributed to him, perfect is the enemy of the good. This is like 250 years ago. He actually said, the best is the enemy of the good, except mm-hmm. he said it all in French because he's French. <laughs> <laughs> so to, to me, it, you know, it's about not getting things done. A lot of times you see when you talk about OCD, um, you almost people like that, and I maybe I have some realm of it. I don't know, but I sort of, you know, when I see these things, I watch an episode of Hoarders and it does me in. Um, (laughs) You see stuff like that and they talk about it being a form of OCD and you think, how can that be a form of OCD? Their house is a mess. I thought OCD people had everything in order. Well, if they can't have everything in perfect order, maybe they won't even start. If I can't write the perfect book, what if I write it and it's dumb? Then why should I even write? Yeah. That's why my book's not done yet, Kristen. I've called my sister so many times over the years, and I'm I'm pretty much accepting of what I'm going to do and not going to do. And I would say, here's a storyline for another book I'm never going to write, so I'll just <laughs> tell you the storyline. But um, so, you know, perfect is the enemy of the good. Don't let something that's not going to be perfect stop you from making it good. And who knows, maybe it will be perfect or perfect to somebody. Yes, exactly. That's why I know that in this world of, you know, how many followers you have, how many likes, how many this, how many that, here's a different thing about our network, which will shake the boots of other networks and not take us seriously. And that's fine because we're talking about mental health here. We don't care about our we about how many numbers we get. It's not about that. We literally care if even one person feels better about themselves from listening to the show. So I've told podcasters, you're never going to get kicked off this network for having low numbers because those low quote unquote numbers of yours, you could be reaching the people that really need it. And so what if that's only you know, a thousand people, those thousand people are going to help how many more thousands of people and how many more. So it, it's kind of a backwards in the way that things are, are sort of um, garnered as considered success in society today. But you can kind of do that in mental health where maybe you can't in other places, you know? 
also, Kristen, the very people who are your podcasters may be getting help they could have nowhere else. Exactly. How often, how often does my pastor say, you know, I'm pretty much preaching to myself right now, and if it helps you guys, that's great, too. Yes. None of us are experts in this. These little life lessons, these little things that have helped me that I'm talking about with you today, these aren't anything people haven't heard before, but we always need reminders. Yes. We need the people around us to support us. We need a reminder to say, it's okay, you don't need to be perfect, it's this and that. So, you know, if if someone, we've had people on our show who, when you talk about numbers, you don't always know who's watching, but I've seen people just by virtue of coming on the show and speaking, we've done a number of people with PTSD after coming out of military, which, by the way, we're still losing the number average is 22 veterans a day taking their own lives. That's just veterans. That's not yes. active duty. Exactly. So, so I've, we've, I've had someone on who the first time he came on with a friend and he was pretty shy. The next time he came on by himself and he was so amazing. And now he's speaking at a conference a few months from now. I know. I love that. I love it. (laughs) If if, if that show played any little part of him gaining his voice, then wow. Exactly. Exactly. And you have to feel good about that. You can't just look at the, yes, it's important to look at the hundred thousand foot view, but it's also really important to look at that one-on-one view, which is what you were just talking about. Yeah. Well, let's let's end our conversation this time. And thank you so much for agreeing to come on my show because you've been so, I owe you so many shows. I know you would never say I owe you, but you know, you've been so generous with me. Um, let's talk about humor. How important is humor in your life? And what does that humor mean to you? Oh man, you know, if you can't laugh, if you can't laugh at the things that are going on and laugh at yourself, oh boy, yeah, then that can be a tough road. Uh, that's a good question. Boy, I, I almost want to sort of parse my thoughts on this and write stuff down in free form and figure <laughs> out some things because it's, I mean, right? Yeah, and, and the ability <laughs> to feel comfortable enough about yourself to feel so uh, to be so present that's when i know that i feel really good doing one of your shows when i and maybe you know they are awful on your end i have no idea what kind of guest commentary or comment comments you have from listeners but i feel good when i'm doing one of your shows when i feel extremely present and very comfortable in my own skin so very confident and that you know what humor just comes out. You have to have people around you that you know care about you that you can feel secure with. Yes. Sometimes I think you and I are having a, a delightful conversation about you and I have gone through a lot of things and have figured out a lot of stuff in our life and have figured out how to make good things out of let's say maybe lemon, lemonade out of lemons. That's right. Um, we've had to get through stuff. Okay. I mean, when I was six years old, our house burned down. We lost everything. A year later, my parents divorced. By the time I was nine, I had been to eight different elementary schools and I don't, I, li- I don't know how many places I lived. Wow. And, you know, you, you get through stuff. 
But if you have, and I have such a supportive husband, he might say, he might make a comment to me that other people would think is rude. And I just sort of laugh and say, oh man, you're right. Why did I do that? (laughs) He and I laugh at each other all day and all night. I mean, we really have that sort of relationship. But there are, there's a huge percentage of the world who are around, who are maybe raised by narcissists. Oh, yeah. I mean, I, and I, I know, I know people who have told me about it. Um, so I don't understand, but I sort of get, you know, how just awful it can be. You might have people who, it, you, there's just no way that they can go around having a sense of humor about anything because if no. someone is so hard on you that they're emotionally um, or mentally or, of course, even physically abusive, you're not going to be able to laugh off what they've done. That's right. So, but if you can get to that place. And, and, you know, if you, if you recognize, and you're the expert here, but if you could recognize how toxic a relationship is, yeah. if you can't laugh, maybe you don't even realize it. Maybe you have a toxic person in your life who's manipulating you into thinking you need them and they sort of, you have fun with them sometimes, but mostly they're cutting you down. Mm-hmm. If you don't know where you stand with those people, maybe it's time to get out. If you're always having to wonder, what, what do they think of me? Um, what are they saying about me? And if you don't feel completely good, and if you can't sort of laugh like that, that might be a good bellwether. But it's not something that's actually, you know, it might be, you know, sort of taking its toll on your life rather than being something that's beneficial. And sometimes you can literally be, um, you don't wake up to that kind of behavior, especially when you were raised in it, which I, I was. You don't wake up until you wake up. And your waking up does not just happen. It takes years to wake up from it because if that's what you were raised in, that's how you're used to being treated. And the goal is to become so empowered that you stop living in the survivor mode and you learn how to live in thrive mode. And I know I've talked about this on your show. Um, I love this talk. And, it, and, and then you go, Oh my gosh, this is what it's like to really live, not to just get by. And humor is such, I mean, I can sit with my group of friends that have all, you know, they have many of the same childhood, childhood experiences I have had. And we can, we can throw down some narcissist jokes. Let me tell you. <laughs> And, and we are allowed to say them because we know exactly, we know the pain behind that humor and we, we know how healthy it's a measure or a testament to how resilient we are that we can actually have a sense of humor about what we went through. I, I, I remember seeing a, just the funniest codependency cartoon and it was a woman sitting across from her husband saying, I don't remember if I don't like the salmon or if you don't like the salmon. <laughs> So funny, and, and and as you say, you you don't know when you're when you're little, and I this doesn't go back. I've I had great parents, I really did. They you know people go through what they go through, and right. they you know they did they did you know I can't say enough about them. But I do think when you go through things when you're little, you will not realize until much later. That's right. You know this wasn't this wasn't right, and then a few years later you might realize something else, and you have to you almost have to heal from things that you didn't know you had to heal from. That's right, and. And then I think once you do, boy, you can create those boundaries and, and never go through it again if, if, if you're strong. But sadly, I think well, the things I read, and again, I'm not a mental health professional, a lot of times the cycle starts all over again. 
Yes, it can. It can. But whenever you do wake up, my God, there's a, there's the world becomes your oyster. It really does. But boy, do you have to dig deep, really, really dig deep to get there because it's so much easier to keep that fog about you. Like many people have said, wipe off your glasses, clean your lenses. You need to just keep cleaning the film off of your glasses. You have years of buildup. Just keep doing it. Keep doing it. Keep doing it. And life just gets better and brighter and brighter and brighter. Amazing the things that we can walk around with on our shoulders and not realize it. Absolutely. Well, Amy, this is like a whole series that we could do on this. (laughs) (laughs) But thank you so much for coming on my show. I I love it. Please tell our listeners where they can, all the places that they can find out about you and especially about the artwork, the wearable art that you do, because those hats, I'm telling you, I sit and drool over them. Well, you're very kind. Thank you for having me. I'm so honored. We we delight in having you. Uh, People can find me on Twitter at amyfuller.com. It's spelled A-I-M-E-E, Amy Fuller. Um, did I say at amyfuller.com? I think I combined my website and my Twitter <laughs> handle. But You're making it work. It's amyfuller.com or at Amy Fuller. And then, you know, you can do the Google and get on Facebook and all that stuff. And, and I'd love to connect with, with people. And yeah, the, the hats where you can click through to the hats and see them on there too. We had a fashion show over the weekend. I saw. Getting a group called St. Madeline Sophie Center. They work all year long with adults with developmental disabilities. So it was neat because they take the runway. They actually make art and they sell it at the boutique before the show. And it's just a really neat thing. So we've got a lot of pictures and um, video from that event up on the Twitter page and the Facebook page. So, And also people can go to you to America and that's Y O U T O O America and look for the show America trends. And you can see Amy on there. I have no idea how to find my shows, but I know I'm, I'm sitting on there <laughs> on different things and we, they're always fun. I, and I never know. I don't know if you know this. I never know what we're going to talk about until three seconds before we go on the air. <laughs> and I love that. I'm like, boom, we're going to talk about sharks. Awesome. You know, <laughs> you know, we'll have to talk after because Ryan sends me this. And sometimes I think, does she know what Ryan sends me? So our book, I think, I think that our, your book is having a little fun with you. <laughs> <laughs> Ryan loves it. Sometimes he tells me, but then we do something different and I'm like, Oh, Okay, so I guess they've changed their mind, and I just go and I just go with it. But I like that, so I, it's fine for me. It, it's yeah, please join us five nights a week um, in the U.S. It's 10 p.m. Eastern and Pacific time, an hour long, and you can find us on the broadcast channels. Check your local listings, or you can always, you know, we play online. We have live streaming of every single program on YouTube America Amazing. at youtubeamerica.com, as you mentioned. Well, Amy, again, thank you so much. Thank you so much, Kristen. And thank you so much to our listening family. Tonight we have Dr. Paul Meyer coming on for another roundtable with Dr. Meyer. Who knows what we'll be talking about tonight. But thank you so much for tuning in always to Mental Health News Radio. Sometimes I'm passive, aggressive, but never 
Thanks so much for listening to Mental Health News Radio. Our podcast can be found on iTunes, Stitcher, and hundreds of other podcast apps. Or you can visit our website at mentalhealthnewsradio.com. If you have a question or would like to be a guest, become a podcaster on our network, or join the amazing organizations that help keep us on the air, please email us at info at mhnrnetwork.com. Get ready for that special goodbye from our resident therapy dog, Miles, and a special thanks to Emily Sohn for letting us use her incredible song, Cordial, for our podcast music. Listen to the full song on SoundCloud at emily.sonne. Don't be surprised when I don't hate on you. After all, we promised we'd be cordial. Sometimes in you, I can fight it. Good boy.